touched last night on the shadow of Aaron O'Connor's involvement in the Eglazov. The Amos is the two approaches in the Rishonim to explaining why Aaron did what he did. The first one is Rashi, which was mentioned last night, and that is that Aaron felt that if he would object or try and prevent them, they would kill him like they killed Khur before him. Really, this is Chazal. And the Pasuk Vayyavin means Bayach Lefonov. Chazal explained the Pasuk Vayyavin Mizavuach Lefonov. He understood from the one who had been killed in front of him, which was Khur, that if he would try and object to the, them building the eagle, they would do the same to him. And therefore, Aaron felt that that would be an unforgivable crime, so to speak. And therefore, he felt that it was better that he should, he should play along with them rather than marshal them in Ratzicha. Um, Rashi saying that even though Rashi holds that they were initial, he holds that it was a real Avodah but Aaron himself wasn't serving over He says, Hashem will pay back the sinners tomorrow. And he thought he would use the delaying tactics either to show he was going along with them and try and hold out long enough that uh, it wouldn't actually happen rather than stand up to them publicly and risk them killing him. That's Rashi's Mahalach. There's a second Mahalach brought down by Sajigon, which is quoted by a number of Rishonim. And that is that Aaron understood that it wasn't all of Klai Yisrael that were involved in Eglazov. And uh, as we saw, it was only 3,000 people out of 600,000. And therefore, Aaron's intention was that that by making something which would, uh, so to speak, going along with the request to make Eglazov, they would be able to differentiate between the people who really wanted to serve a desire or use Eglazov, and, so to speak, separate them from the rest of Klai Yisrael who weren't guilty of wanting to serve Eglazar. And therefore, Aaron agreed to go along with it as a way, so to speak, to weed, in his lashon, to weed the sinners out of Klai Yisrael. And therefore, his, his, uh, Aaron's idea was that uh, by making the option of, so to speak, creating the ego, it uh, identified who would be the people who had a tendency to follow Eglazar and... That way they could be punished and they wouldn't affect the rest of Klai Yisrael. Whereas if uh, Aaron refused, so he wouldn't know who the people who really wanted to serve Avodah Zara. And he didn't because it never, it never came in their eyes. If Aaron wouldn't have bought an Eglazov, then he would never have seen who were the people who had this tendency to want to serve Avodah Zara. Is that a hetter? Is that a hetter? No. You see the Torah was angry with him. The Torah punished Aaron for it. Now, between the two Mahalchim, firstly, in the, so again, it's not really Rashi against the Sadiqan because Rashi is quoting Chazal. But uh, let's say between these two approaches, um, are we trying to minimize Aaron's crime and the fact that he himself didn't want it to be an ego and he himself wasn't guilty of a desire for sure? Does that mean what he did was Muta? We well, see the Torah punishes him for it. He lost two of his children and according to the Pasuk in Dvarim, he was really meant to lose all four of his children for it and uh, only because of Moshe's Tvila and he managed to save the other two of Aaron's children. So for sure, Aaron was guilty to some extent. If you're going to go into the, halas- uh, the halakhic aspect of how guilty, so to speak, what, was Aaron, what did Aaron do wrong? So on the first argument, which means he wanted to prevent him doing a bigger vera. So this is a sugya. It's a sugya which is brought up a number of times in the post scheme. And that is, is there a justification for me to do a smaller vera to prevent somebody else doing a bigger vera? In the words of the poskim, which means Aaron felt that if I'm going to not go along with them, they're going to be nichshal and ritzicha. And by so to speak, playing along with them, so he was doing a smaller vera of kiilu, 
agreeing to build an Egel Azov, which was the way he says, the Kizari explains it, only an Isur Lotase of don't make yourself an image, and you would be over Lotase to prevent them being over an Isur Now, the way we pass in the Maisa is that it's also. When it comes to Isur Lotase, we don't say that you can do a smaller Avera to prevent someone from doing a bigger Avera. So that, that, that wouldn't be an explanation to justify what Aaron did, but at least it would minimize the Avera he did that he wasn't working with the Avera on the contrary, he was trying to prevent him doing Averas, even though the master what he did was, at least the way we passed in Halacha, wasn't the right thing to do. Rav Sajigon's approach is harder to explain, because it's true that if you're going to give people the ability to do an Avera, then you can see he'll do it and who won't. In other words, if they didn't have an actual Egel Azov, and there wasn't the option of worshipping one, then you wouldn't know who deep down really had a tendency to follow it and who didn't. By giving them the opportunity to be, mach- to be nichshal, to sin, then you can see who the sinner was. But what's the point of that? In other words, why, why is it our job to try and bring out the, the bad in people to see who has a tendency to do bad in order to punish them? So it needs explanation of Sajigon's chat. It's not exactly clear which one the Khudari is trying to explain, because either way around, you're going to have to change the Nusach a little bit, the language he uses. The Girsa, what he says, doesn't really translate. The Amma Farshim who translates, who changed the Girsa to explain in Akrashi, the those who changed the Girsa to explain in like Sajigon. Let's read the line again. The excuse for the, the great people, which means Aaron, that helped in creating the Eglazov. Now, like I said, the words that Kazari Ba'as aren't really, don't really flow. So, either way, so I'll, I'll try and change the Lashon the way the Farshim do, to read it one of the two ways. Either you have to say, which would be the way Sajigon explains it. And that is that you'll be able to see a difference between the Mamre, the rebel, from the Mamre. You've got to differentiate between them. That way they'll be able to punish the ones who were the rebels, who were Shadai Glazov, because now you'll be able to see who was who. And why was it considered a very important Because that way they just help people uh, who had the intention of doing an Avera, it's often hidden in their hearts, to doing it, in, to actually doing the Avera. So that would be the way to read the Kuzari following the Mahalach of Rapsadigon. If you're going to read Makrashi, then you have to change the case slightly differently. And you have to say that it's not the of the Gedolim, the excuse or the explanation for what the Gedolim Aaron did was, Shesio Basaisa, he helped them make it. It was because Bavur Sheyara. He was Aaron was afraid. Not Sheyara. It should be seen, but Sheyara. He was afraid. Min Hamamre from the people who were the sinners because he was scared that they would be killed. That the people who were wanted to serve the Avodah would kill whoever stopped them, and therefore he was afraid of the fact that they would kill him if he stopped them, and that's why that would be Rashi's explanation. So I can say the way we have the Lashon doesn't really explain itself with either Lashon, but we can explain these are the two Mahakim that are shown him. Whichever one, the Kuzari, who was after both of them, uh, wanted to go with, we could read it as the, that's what he meant. Okay, anyway, the, when he says again at the end of the paragraph, and again, he says, Arkane Sia Ba'asoisoi, Venesham, Ba'itsaosoi, Meria, Minakayachalamaisa. And this is also matched with like, the Nusrach of Sajigon, and that is he was punished because he helped them. Uh, bring their Miriam, their, their, their tendency to do the wrong thing and, um, from 
what they want is into doing, into actually acting it out, which means having an angle that they could serve. Okay, so the, the, the point that the Chacham is trying to say is that Aaron's Avera wasn't that he was promoting the serving the Eglazov. Whichever Mahalach we're going to go, Aaron's uh, building the Eglazov was for some other intention. But we don't see in Aaron's in building the Eglazov an intention that Aaron had to serve the Eglazov. Okay, now there's one more point that he says in his explanation, and this is something which is very interesting. And he says, again, what he said at the beginning was, it wasn't an unusual thing in the world of the, of the time that people looked for physical things to represent a basis to bring a Ruchnis down to, to connect to Ruchnis. And now he says a very interesting line. For us, it looks like a tremendously big thing, the Eglazov. Why? Because today, no one does that. No one works with Avodah Zarah today to try and bring down spiritual forces on physical things because we don't have them. So we look at it as being something bizarre, something which is out of the, out of the box, out of something which is for sure wrong. But for people living at the time, it didn't look like such a bad thing. Why? That was a normal way to do anything. Yet they understood Ruchnius, and the way to do it was to find something physical, to connect as a connection point. So for the, in the context of the time, it didn't look like something which was so bad. Again, it was against what Hashem said, and that was wrong. But we don't see it as being a tremendously big mistake. It's only for us, he says, who are not used to seeing people do that at all. So it looks to us like something which no one would do, and that's what makes it look, magnifies the Avera. But now, look at the example he gives. And this is something to think about. It's a very interesting example. It says the Kuzari, if it was, let's say this mistake they made wasn't that they built an object, they built an ego. They would have built a hole. They said, we're going to build a big hole and we're, going to eat, we're all going to gather in that hole to serve Hashem. That's that would have been their mistake. So he says, We wouldn't have thought, it, what's the big deal? Why? If they, because we do the same thing. Right? By us, in our mindset, the way we want to serve Hashem, we build a Besaknesis, we build a shul. So we make a room, or we make a hall, or a building, and we dedicate that as a place to serve Hashem. So if we would have told you that the son of the Ayub the Ayub was, we're going to say, we're going to build our own building. We're going to build a huge building, and we're going to use that as a place to serve Hashem. We wouldn't look at it as being something wrong. What's the big deal? We do the same thing. We also, we build a building, we use it as a place of a basic filler. So, the Kuzari says to the king, you have to understand that in the context of the time, finding an object to connect to Ruchnius was the way we relate to Tvila, which is, you need a building to daven in. So we'll build a building, we'll daven in it. And they, for them, it was the same thing. We need an object to work with, we'll, we'll build an eagle to work with. And just like for us, if we would have said the Dara Malbor, you know what they did wrong? They built a big building. So what? What's so bad about that? And like we said before, and if that's the way we're going to look at it, so what really is so bad about it? Only the point you said before. And that is, we can't decide what to do. It has to be something which Hashem tells us what to do. And the mistake of the Dara Midbar is they took it into their own hands to try and find something without uh, in clear instructions from Hashem to do it. Which Hashem told them not to do. And therefore, if the Havdor, there would be such a rule today also, that we can't just choose to build the basic Knesset whenever we want to. We have to have a certain instruction from Hashem where and how and when to build and we would decide on our own to build something else, the mistake wouldn't be in what we do. It's quite clear what we do. The mistake would be in we do it without permission. 
Right, so he says that's why you got to take the ego and explain it as well. That it was in the context of what they were doing made sense, but it was without permission. Without the tzarech, we have to daven barabim, right? If let's say for us, there wouldn't be such a musuk of gathering in Twitter. Everyone daven in their own homes. So then, the idea of why are you building a place to daven, just daven wherever you want, would be very strange. But since you understand there's a value to Twitter with tzibur, and if we have to designate a place for a tzibur to daven, so then the idea of building a place for everyone to daven together makes a lot of sense. And he says, therefore, you have to understand the concept of the eagle in the concept of what people thought they were doing at a time which didn't look like something so strange. Just like you find in the time of the Malchus, which means the time of the Melachim, the kings, that there were people who used to make their own private places to do Avoida, which was a bomber. Right? The bomber was a, a Mizbech, and the people used to make a Mizbech to bring Kabbalah on it. To who? To Hashem. They brought oilers, they brought shlamim, whatever covers they wanted to bring, they wanted to bring the bomber. What was wrong with that? Was there something wrong with building a bomber? In concept, no. The Torah talks about bombers. In practice, yes. Because once the Basim was built, so Hashem says, don't build bombers anywhere else. Right? So the idea wasn't idolatrous. The idea was it wasn't what Hashem wanted them to do. And that's what he says. The Hasidim, the greatest of the kings, they destroyed the bombers. It's a point you'll see again and again in Melachim. There were some kings who said they destroyed a bomber, but they didn't touch the bombers. Raka bombers lay sorry, they left the bombers alone. And there were some kings who wanted to destroy the bombers also. What was the big deal? And the answer is exactly this point. The bombers weren't of Zara. The bombers were Mizbech, which was built to bring Kabbalah to Hashem. So therefore, those kings who made a campaign to destroy Avodah Zara, the bomber wasn't Avodah Zara. It was, it was clearly Kabbalah being brought to Hashem, like the terrorist says. So therefore, also Yeshafat, the kings who left the bombers alone, had no Indian to destroy them. It wasn't idolatry. And it was. They were doing it there. That's true. The Torah said, once Yishalayim is built, we learn that you can't make a bomber anywhere else. And therefore, you see the kings that run, like they destroyed the bombers as well. But it wasn't in the context of Abu Dazar, it was in the context of something Hashem wasn't mitzvahing. So that way there would be nothing, there would be no other place which people could avoid except for the house which Hashem chose, which means the best of Mikdash. And then again, just like it wasn't something strange, I thought Baruch was Mitzalim to make Kruvim, we spoke about yesterday, that the idea of having an intermediary, which Hashem creates in order to bring down Shefa, we have in the Kruvim. Nevertheless, they were killed. Like we said before, there were only 3,000 people. Michal Sheshma is Elif, I have 600,000. And now I want to say, so again, let's just sum up what the Gazari said so far before we come to his last point. So before, after explaining to us that the idea wasn't idolatrous, it was meant to be something which the, the people at the time understood was the way to connect to spirituality. We explained that. And it wasn't something which at the time looked strange. To us, it looked strange because we don't do that. But at the time, it didn't look strange. And besides that, it wasn't so many people. Mm-hmm. And now comes to the last argument. He said, and this is interesting. He says, you see, that the result of the Avera was Hashem didn't stop what He was doing for them. The man didn't stop falling the next day. It wasn't after the Hashem said, that's it, I'm abandoning you. No more man. The man continued to fall. 
the water, the barrier continued to give water. And now he says something which is uh, interesting. It's not so posh at this. And the same thing, the non covered was carried on protecting them. And the pillar of fire which led them. And Hashem continued to give them the book. That now, that's, that's uh, the idea of the, uh, whether Anani HaKovet still there is not partial at all. This is a big machlekes. The Vilnagon brings Chazal that after the Egel Azov, Hashem took Anani HaKovet away. And they only came back when he built the Mishkan, or started building the Mishkan. That, it's not so this, even though the Apostle doesn't talk about it, Chazal do say that they lost Anani HaKovet, but the Chazal is only not like that. He understood that Anani HaKovet remained there. Um, what's he trying to say with this? And therefore, what? So, th- this is a different argument which none of the Rishonim used. And let me give you just a two minutes historical background to why he wants to bring us in here, because really he's, he's missing out the point of the question which the other Rishonim used this argument, uh, like in Sefer Vikuchim, the argument that with the Christians, which they were using this argument to help. And that is like this one of the fundamental tenets of Christianity, being as it's built on Judaism as the basis of their religion, is that what happened to it? Well, if, if the true religion was Judaism, Yiddishkeit, and uh, we were the chosen nation, so why in the world would we lose that? And uh, why would that privilege be given to the Christians? You know, it's according to the ideology that it was taken away from us and given to them. What did we do wrong? So what they're going to have to say, and what they do say is, it's true it was originally given to the Jewish people, but the Jewish people were so bad that it was taken away from us because of our many sins, so to speak. That's what they claim. And therefore, we have to find these many sins. Alright, if you're going to go nitpicking through the Torah to look for the many sins Christ Israel did, right, and you're going to use this, use this as a proof of why we lost, so to speak, all the promises Hashem made to, made to us and the covenant He gave us, so what are we going to come up with? So, of course, what's going to take first place is that you can off. And this is what always the Christians claim. You see that the Jewish people are such a sinful people because they served their Glazov just 40 days after getting the Torah. Okay, now, we can argue the point by saying it wasn't real, but Zara, like he says, or like the Ramban says, whatever else. The way they were showing better than onto the Christians of this argument always was, was, okay, the Eglazov. And what happened as a result? Hashem rejected the Jewish people? No, he didn't. Right? It wasn't that after Eglazov, Hashem said, that's it, I'm packing it in. Guys, I don't do it anymore. Right? You see, there's still the Anon, and there's still the Anon Yaakovet, Hashem still talking to Israel, he still spoke to Moshe, and he made the Mishkan. So you can't say because of that, Hashem decided to give up the covenant of Israel, because you see, Hashem carries on. And, so, and that's always going to be the answer. Whatever event they're going to find in Jewish history, and point to, big Avera, look what the Jewish people did wrong. So the answer is always, the Rishonim's answer always was, okay, what happened next? Do we see after that, Hashem said, that's it, I'm rejecting you, I have nothing more to do with you anymore? We don't. Not after the Egel, not after the Miraglim, not after the Khurban. After the Khurban, there was still prophecy. There was still involvement of Hashem and the Jewish people. So to say there's an argument that the Jewish people's sins was the cause for Hashem to reject us, we never find the sin which did that. We never find the sin which did that. What's the second reason? The Christians came along before the second reason. Before that? Yeah. So, so therefore the argument is that because we were so sinful, it's, it doesn't stand. What was the sin we did? At what stage did we do something that that's what, because of that, that was, that, that was a, the, the, the stage where Hashem, so to speak, rejects Israel. Maybe all of them together. 
But, but again, at which stage? At a random date, a hundred years later? So then after the last of whatever variable is going to be, so then you'd expect, now that should be, whatever variable is, that should be the rejection point. Well, Hashem works with Rachman, Hashem delays punishment. Yeah, but there has to be something which is going to make it happen. You can't tell me, after Chaytagel, nothing happens. After the Barakim, nothing happens. After Memory River, nothing happens. After the Churban, nothing happens. And now some random day, that's it. Hashem's what happens? Yeah, it's because again, this is the last point of what the king told him. The king said that you, you, I see as much as he explained the greatness of Mahmud Sinai, I see that, that the, it magnifies how terrible the Chaita Egel was. It's a rebellion. And this is the Khazar is using the argument of the Rishonim here. The Chacham is using the argument of the Rishonim. You see that Hashem also didn't consider it such a rebellion. Because if Hashem would have considered it to be the end of the world, then he wouldn't have continued, continued interacting with Klaishal like he did previously. So it was a mistake? Yes. No one's denying it. And worship of Eglazov was punishable and the people who did it got killed. But that wasn't a reason to reject La Yisrael. There wasn't a reason to reject La Yisrael. And you see, Hashem did it. The only thing that they lost as a result of the Eglazov, the only thing that they lost was the first Luchas. And then, even that, wasn't because Hashem took them away. Because Moshe broke them. Moshe told to bring them back. And Hashem said, "Baruch second luchos." So what did they lose, right? In Hashem's eyes, what did they lose as a result of the first luchos? They didn't lose the Ananiah covet, not the man, not the nevuah, not the fact that they built the mishkan, not even the luchos, because even though Moshe broke the first luchos, the Moshe they got second luchos later on. The kupolim avoid nevuah, and they did shavah, and Hashem forgave them. Now, this is what's the last thing I want to talk about in this, and that is, it's true what the Kuzari says. They didn't lose any of these things, but there still is there is a point missing. Because there's for sure a level we lost. Right? The Chazal say many times that had we not, the first law has not been broken, we wouldn't have died, we wouldn't have forgotten our learning, we would have been in a different Madrega, we wouldn't have had a Yetzirah. For sure we lost as a result of Ha'egel Azov. It doesn't mean to say nothing happened. What he meant to say is Klai Yisrael weren't rejected. Right? If something would have been taken away for us, and then we shown rejection. The fact that we lose a Madrega because we do something wrong is always the concept, is always the result of Avera. We do something wrong, so okay, so we lose from it. But from Hashem's point of view, is that rejection? No. If Hashem is prepared to work with us, even on the lower level where we find ourselves now, that means we haven't been rejected. I'm just going to finish with the Pasuk in Yechezkel. After the first Chorban. How do I know the child does something wrong? You also, you don't reject Right. And even if it's on a different target now, but it will work on that target. And we'll finish the Novi in Yechezkel, that after the Chorban, so Klaishal felt they had lost the fortune. Ertishal, the best of Megdash, the everything. And they are now in Goddess. And they came to Yechezkel and Avi and they said, Hashem's rejected us. We've been kicked out of Ertishal, we've lost all our possessions, we're slaves in Babel, Hashem's rejected us. So Hashem's answer to Navi Yechezkel, which should tell them was, you've not been rejected. Hashem, in the level you are now, Hashem will look after you, Hashem is continuing with you now. So did you lose from the first Korban? For sure. For sure, we can't compare. Do we lose from Chayt Ha'egel? Also for sure. So that doesn't mean rejection. The result of Chayt is now we're in a different Madrega. Okay, so at this time, this we still have to work with us. We'll work, Hashem will work with us where we are now. And that's the end of his argument about... That's the Pasuk Ve'elam of Mikdash Ma'at. That's the Yes. Right. And that, that, that's the... That's the... It's a, a Mikdash It's a much lower level, but okay, that's what you have. Now, and that's, that's the end of the argument of the Chacham to explain Chet Again, broken into four points. Number one, it wasn't a Vedazar. 
It was a, mis- a misunderstanding of, or misuse of what they could do to try and relate to Hashem based on what everyone else was doing at the time. It wasn't of a desire. Number two, the second argument he wants to bring is that it wasn't everybody. It was a very small percentage. Even Aaron Akkoyan, who was the one to build the eagle and the one to be involved, for whatever reason you want to explain, whether it's Rashi's answer or Sadiqan's answer, it wasn't because Aaron was promoting Chet Egel. He was either trying to stall Chet Egel or he was trying to dis- distance the sinners from everybody else. And then before, you see from Hashem's reaction that Hashem didn't consider it to be as bad as the people would think it was. Okay, so that's the argument of Chet Egel. And the Kizari just finishes with this. Amr Kizari, Kfar Zaratatsasi. You've helped me. I understand that. That he accepts the answer. Okay, so that's this point. And Hashem, next, the next show we'll go on to... The next discussion between the king and the Chacham.